So, friends, one of the reasons music is so important to us in worship and here and in, in, in our entire church and, and throughout the world is because it really is a shared experience. There's, there is power in a collective group of people all thinking about the same and sharing the same thoughts. It's very much like prayer. Um, and to us, that's how we use music here. Because when we're all praying together, there is a bigger energy. There's, there is a more of a collective, collective experience. And with all the things that are going on in the world right now, especially uh, with the fires in Hawaii and the hurricanes that just came through, uh, we wanted to take a minute to kind of blend those two together. So we're going to do a song now that we would also like to offer out as a prayer so that we're all collectively thinking together about those folks who are struggling right now uh, as one group so that we have more energy and more power uh, to release our prayers to God and to those folks. So will you pray with us?
not hidden There's never been a moment you were forgotten You are not hopeless Though you have been broken, your innocence Can you guys feel that presence of the Lord in here with us like I can? Why don't we take a minute to share that with each other? Let's stand up, greet each other, welcome somebody new, say hi to an old friend, and share the peace of Christ. May the peace of Christ be with you. Friends, uh, before we get into our scripture today, I just want to remind you of all the things that are going on in the church, programs and 
Lots of things are starting to get ramped back up, so please take a minute. I won't read all through them, but everything that's going on in the church is here in your two-page bulletin today. That's why, how many things we have going on in lovely color, some of them. Uh, I will lift up that our Soul Cafe is starting back up today, so after the service, head on back to Commotion. The youth will be happy to serve you some goodies and some special flavored coffees, just a little bit of an elevated happy hour. We'll be doing that uh, every first Sunday. Uh, that's a big fundraiser for us for, for our mission trips, uh, which went so well this summer. So take a minute to stop by and say hi to some youth and grab some treats. And then after that, our high schoolers are going to gather for a little bit. We're going to have a little bit of fun. We're going to talk about the year a little bit and, and plan that out. So make sure, uh, high schoolers, you stick around for that. Uh, we do have our generosity baskets by the door. Uh, we don't pass the plate here in C2, but if you would like to support the missions, all these incredible programs that the church does, uh, please feel free to leave something in the generosity basket. And uh, there's one in particular thing we really need to celebrate today. I'd like to have Dorian stand up, if he would. Dorian graduated from the Naval Nuclear Power Brigade Training Command. Uh, a very, very, very big deal, um, and Dorian has been with this church for a long time, long before I got here, and we should all be very, very, very proud. Um, good job, buddy. Congratulations. That is awesome. Very, very, very cool. As I mentioned, we're talking about uh, labor uh, being more than just, than just jobs and, and, and how we interact and how we help each other in our daily lives. And our scripture today uh, comes from Peter, and it is uh, about that type of interaction and what the Lord expects from us in, in the labor that, that we are working towards to serve God by serving others. So let us hear the word of the Lord for today. Above all, maintain constant love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another. Without complaining, like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever gift each of you has received. Whoever speaks must do so as one speaking the very words of God. Whoever serves must do so with the strength that God supplies, so that God may be glorified in all things through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. The word of God for the people of God. Beloved in Christ, on this Labor Day weekend when our country invites those who work for wages, long days, long hours, take a rest. We remember to keep the Sabbath to keep it holy because God has also commanded us to rest and care for ourselves so that we can love one another. Today's message is the last of the summer series of sermons that you have chosen. Next week, our lectionary starts for the next nine months. And today's topic is the boundaries of love, the limits of duty. Even from the labors of love, we're called to rest. Now, if you, somebody here this morning is going to need to hear this sermon. I don't know who you are, so I didn't pitch it in your direction. 
This was all Holy Spirit. And somebody may be mad at me thinking I know something about your life. I don't. This is really just a message to invite you to love rightly and in a right-ordered way according to God's promises to care for others and for you. Please pray with me. We thank you, God, for this holy, amazing day that you've made and all that is in it. As always, we pray that you would open our eyes to see a fresh word, to hear a familiar story in a new way, and to live in a fresh way according to your promises. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be a gift that pleases you today, for you are the Lord of life, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We humans love to tell stories. From the time we're little kids, we ask our mom or our dad or grandma, maybe our Sunday school teacher, tell me a story. And sometimes they do. Many of the tales that my mother told as a child had a moral lesson. And one of her favorites was the boy who cried wolf. And it goes like this. Many of you know it. There once was a young shepherd boy out on the hillside tending the sheep along a dark forest. Well, it got lonely and boring out there, so he decided one day to gather up the townspeople by running halfway to town and crying, Wolf! Wolf! And sure enough, everybody came running and went out to the hillside and saw the sheep gazing peacefully. Well, a few days later, he was getting bored and lonely again, so he thought, well, that worked pretty well. I'll try it again. He ran into town. Wolf! wolf and everybody came running to protect the sheep and to protect him from a predator and there were wolves in the woods back in that day but once again they went out to the hillside and all was peaceful and all was well sometime later there was a wolf early in the morning lurking along the edge of the dark wood and the boy ran into town terrified wolf wolf Nothing happened. Wolf, wolf, nothing happened. And so he ran back out to his sheep, and sure enough, the sheep had had a nice breakfast that day. The townspeople just looked up and thought, that's just him, and went back to eating their breakfast. Well, you know the moral of that story. What's the moral of the story? What? Don't cry wolf. Don't tell lies. If you, if you tell a lie, nobody's ever going to believe you even when you tell the truth. Always tell the truth, right? You had the same mother I did. There's another favorite story that she told. It was called The Dog in the Manger. Since my grandparents had a farm and cattle, I thought my mother made this one up. It wasn't until middle school that I realized both that story and the boy who cried wolf were actually Aesop's fables. But the dog in the manger goes like this. There once was a dog asleep in a manger that was filled with hay who was awakened by the cattle when they came in tired and hungry from the field. But the dog would not let them get near the feeding trough, the manger. Instead, the dog snarled and snapped and wouldn't let him get close even though there was not meat and food for him in that stable at all. The cattle looked at the dog in disgust. How selfish he is, said one. He can't even eat the hay in the manger, and yet he won't share it with us, even though we are so hungry. Well, soon the farmer came in to check on the cows. When they saw how, saw how the dog was behaving, he grabbed a stick and drove him out of the stable. And the moral of that story, don't 
grudge others what you can't enjoy yourself even. Or as my mother said when I didn't want to share my toys with my brother even though I wasn't playing with them at the moment, don't be selfish. Share your toys. Don't be a dog in the manger. When we hear such familiar stories, we think we know the moral just as soon as we hear the title, The Boy Who Cried Wolf, Dog in the Manger. And parables like The Good Samaritan, you heard it dozens of times. When we hear the story of The Good Samaritan, we can name the moral of the story as soon as we hear the opening words. A man was going down to Jerusalem, from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell into the hands of robbers. Jesus sets up the parable by telling us in advance about his conversation with a legal expert who asked him what he had to do to inherit eternal life. Jesus then turns the question around and asks him the question, what does the commandment say? And the Lord, the lawyer responds with the commandment, you shall love the Lord your God with all your strength and with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus simply responds, bingo, you've got the right answer. Now, you know what to do. Go do it, and you'll live. When the lawyer came back with yet another question, looking for a loophole in the law, Jesus told him the familiar story about a poor man robbed and beaten, left wounded by the side of the road. Jesus told the lawyer about the priest and the Levite who each in turn passed him by and about the Samaritan, someone presumably outside the expected care of this man's community who stopped to care for the injured man anyway. Now this morning I'll spare you the analysis and nuances of this story, the symbolism of each characters, and the clever way Jesus answers questions the lawyer didn't even think to ask. He was always so good at helping us ask better questions. We already know the story of the Good Samaritan answers the lawyer's question. And we already know what that answer is. We could all recall it by heart. Jesus invites us to listen in, catching a vision of the neighbor we are commanded to love. When one of you suggested that we preach a sermon on the boundaries and the limits of duty, it hit a chord with me as it may have with you. Because there may be a time when you've taken care of someone, like the Samaritan cared for this man. You may have done it because you wanted to, you had compassion for them, or because you made a vow to, or because you thought it was the Christian thing to do. But what happens when love of neighbor costs us our health, our safety, our well-being, when the time we spend taking care of our neighbor means we neglect our spouse, our children, or our other children if one is always in need, or our own self. Are there boundaries to love and limits to duty? The answer to that throughout Scripture is a resounding yes. Throughout Scripture, including Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan, love of neighbor assumes that we love and honor God first and that our love of God replicates as love of self. When we honor God first, 
we then treat ourselves with compassion as God's beloved own. And when we honor God and treat ourselves with compassion, there's more than enough love for our neighbor who is in need of it when that neighbor appears, whether a family member or a stranger. You see, love isn't love at all when it fails to honor ourselves and other previous commitments we've made. We humans have a tendency to get all mixed up about what love demands of us. Some of us neglect other commitments we've already made to our spouse, to our children, to our work, to our church, to our friends. In the guise of Christian love of neighbor, we sacrifice relationships and we sacrifice ourselves, something God does not ever ask us to do. We can love God with boundaries, without guilt, because God cares not just for them, but for us too. I'm going to say that again. We can love our neighbor with boundaries, without guilt, because God cares not just for them, but for us too. Notice what happens next in Jesus' parable. The Samaritan was traveling to some commitment when he came upon the wounded man, and he was moved with compassion. He went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, treating them with oil and wine. And then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him that evening. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, $500, and said, now you take care of him, please, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever you have spent. He attended to the wounded man, and he gave the wounded man care, to be sure. He spent time ensuring that the wounded man was safe and received further care. Then he left him. He left him there and continued on his journey. Without guilt, without shame, he left him. He kept his engagement. He didn't quit his job to care for him. He didn't neglect whatever other plans and commitments he had made. In short, he honored God by loving his neighbor with boundaries. And he honored himself by sticking to his plans as the law commands. He arranged for someone else to care for the man while he was away, and he paid the bill. But he didn't take the man home to live with him, and he didn't visit him every single day. It wasn't his job to make the man happy or to fix all of his life problems. The care he offered was truly loving and compassionate, authentically generous, and it was sufficient. Many of us have trouble with boundaries, all kinds of boundaries. We spend days, weeks, years trying to make life better for family, friends, or strangers whose circumstances may or may not ever improve. We take it upon ourselves to fix what we think is broken, what we think is broken, keep them company even when they're ungrateful or downright mean, as if we were God and it's our job to carry them. Allowing the needs of another to sacrifice our sanity, our health, to sap our joy, or to stop our journey is not motivated by Christian love. 
it's motivated by guilt or shame or a turned twist of duty. Perhaps we made a vow somewhere along the way, we may not even remember, to love and care for someone in a particular way. Just promise me you'll take care of your mother after I'm gone, Dad says. And I hope that if you've said that to a child, it's, you, you're still here and alive, you have time to withdraw that so they don't carry that on your behalf after you're gone. Or to the eldest son, promise me you'll take care of your younger brothers and sisters. Now, the eldest child, to be sure, charged with raising younger siblings, may help get the younger ones dressed and out the door to school until they're old enough to get themselves dressed and out the door themselves. Love does sometimes involve some measure of sacrifice for a period of time. That can be healthy. That can be heroic. But if they're still, if, if they're still carrying the burden of parenthood for those now grown-up children 50 years later, perhaps it's time to re-examine that vow. Inner vows override our ability to allow God to guide our mind, our will, our emotions. They harden our hearts and add bricks to the walls of our life for protection, which can create a barrier between God and us and between us and others. We can be truly loving, truly compassionate towards neighbor as self, a family as self, if we maintain appropriate boundaries that protect other loves. For example, I once knew a woman who went to feed her mother in nursing care every evening. If you're doing that, it's not about what it looks like, it's about the motivation. So, and again, I don't know you. I mean, I don't know what you're doing every night, so this is not... Hang with me. Nobody's left yet. I once knew a woman who went to feed her mother in nursing care every evening, leaving her young children with a babysitter at home. Only after nearly losing her marriage did she make the necessary changes that honored her husband and her children, her first commitments, visiting her mother once a week and arranging for her care, for her mother's care on the other days. My youngest son is practicing boundaries with me already. Mom, he said, don't worry about getting old. When the time comes, I promise to get you the best possible care. Your money will provide. I'm saving up. If you are in doubt about the balance and the boundaries of a situation in your life right now, ask yourself these simple questions. Do you often feel resentful? Resentment is a sign that boundaries have been crossed. Someone is taking advantage of you or treating you disrespectfully, and you are letting them. Do you feel tired and exhausted? Chronic fatigue is a sign that boundaries have been crossed. You've neglected self-care. You've neglected to do things that renew your spirit and bring you joy. If you are so busy taking care of others that you do not care for yourself, you will be wholly unable to adequately care for anyone else. Do you feel obligated? Care motivated by duty and responsibility alone is a sign that boundaries have been crossed. Love cannot thrive where duty prevails and joy is a stranger. 
Love cannot thrive when motivated by duty alone and joy is a stranger. Number four, do you feel overwhelmed and anxious most of the time? We all feel overwhelmed and anxious some of the time. Anxiety, however, can be a sign that boundaries have been crossed. You've said yes when at times the most loving answer really, I'm telling you the truth, was no. In truth, there are relationships whose demands are so consuming that whatever you do will never seem like enough. Boundaries support healthy, balanced love of neighbor, of family, of friends that nourish and replenish us as well as those for whom we care. But without those boundaries, relationships become toxic. They drain the energy out of us and them. It's exhausting. The only one who can set appropriate boundaries with the help of God is you. Fortunately, Jesus shows us the way. Love your neighbor as yourself, like the Samaritan. When moved by compassion for someone in need, provide care. Check on their well-being. Ensure that they have basic things that they need. And then go on about the life that is uniquely yours to live. Don't cry wolf. Don't be a dog in the manger. And above all else, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and extend compassion towards your neighbor, towards your family, as you do towards yourself. May it be so. Amen. This is the table, not of our church, but of the Lord. It is made ready for those who love Christ and who want to love him more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little, you who have been here often and you who have not been here in a long time, you who have tried to follow and you who have failed, come. Not because it is I who invite you, it is the Lord. It is God's will that those who want to know Christ should meet grace here. Will you pray with me? Creator God, we give you thanks for the grain farmers, the bread bakers, the grape growers, and the juice makers. Redeemer God, we give you thanks for all that we remember as we, as we share this meal. Your birth, your life, your death, and your resurrection. Sustaining God, we give you thanks for the eternal presence of your spirit with us, surrounding us and filling us with divine life. May this meal that we now share renew us and inspire us to join you more joyfully with you as you work for peace and justice in the world. Amen. To his followers in every age, Jesus gave an example and a command rooted in the experience he shared with his disciples in an upstairs room in Jerusalem. Now let us hear the story of how that sacrament began. On the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he sat at supper with his disciples, and while they were eating, he took a piece of bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it 
and gave it to them saying, this is my body. It is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And later, after they had eaten, he took a cup of wine and he said, this cup is God's new covenant made possible because of my death. Drink from this, all of you, to remember me. And so following Jesus' command and example, we take this bread and this juice, ordinary things of the world, which Christ has made special. As he said a prayer before sharing, let us do the same. Will you pray with me? Holy One, for us you were born. For us you healed, preached, taught, and showed the way to heaven. For us you were crucified. And for us after death you rose again. Jesus, be present with us now. For all that you have done and for all that you have promised, what have we to offer Our hands are empty. Our hearts are sometimes full of the wrong things. We are not fit to gather up the crumbs from under your table. But with you is mercy and the power to change us. So we do in this place what you did in an upstairs room. Send down your Holy Spirit upon these gifts of bread and wine May they become for us your body, healing, forgiving, and making us whole. And that we may become for you your body, loving and caring in the world until your kingdom comes. Amen. Here at Community Church, we celebrate an open communion table. We believe that there is nothing you have done or said, no place that you've ever been, that can separate you from the love of Christ. You are welcome here. You don't have to have all the answers or have everything figured out in your life. You are welcome here. Whether you belong to this church or another church or no church at all, anyone that wants to participate in Christ's life, death, and resurrection is welcome here. You are invited to come forward using the center aisles and return to your seats using the outside aisles. Take both the bread and cup with you and hold it until all have been served and we will feast together. If you cannot come forward, someone will come and serve you. Come, for all things are ready. I will feast at the table of the Lord. I will feast at the table of the Lord. I won't hunger anymore at his table.
body of Christ given for you let us eat together
the one that could not be contained in the tomb, poured out this covenant for you. Let us drink together. Will you pray with me? Holy One, gratitude, praise, hearts lifted high, voices full and joyful, these things you deserve. For when we were nothing, you made us something. When we had no name and no faith and no future, you called us children. When we lost our way or turned away, you did not abandon us. And when we came back to you, your arms opened wide and welcomed us. And look, you prepared this table for us, offering us not just bread, not just wine, but your very self, so that we may be filled forgiven, healed, blessed, and made new again. You are worth all our worship and praise. As we have shared in the richness of your table, we cannot forget the rawness of the earth. We cannot take bread and forget those who are hungry. We cannot pray for prosperity and forget the nourishment for the poor. We cannot take wine and forget those who are thirsty. God, we pray for the weary people who cry out for justice. Fill the empty. We cannot hear your words of peace and forget the violence in our world. God, show us how to turn weapons into welcome and power into peace. We cannot celebrate the feast of your family and forget our divisions. Heal our brokenness, God. And make us one in your spirit. Stir within our hearts that we may speak anew the familiar words that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Before the band closes us out, uh, many of you know that this will be Elizabeth's last communion serving here in C2. Um, And I just wanted to take a moment to tell you how much (laughs) your light, your presence, and your joy will be missed here by everybody. And also how much you have meant to me as a colleague, as a friend. You will always have my heart with you. The people that you are going to pastor and to be with are so lucky. And we are blessed. You have been a blessing to be in our presence. Thank you so much. Let's celebrate Elizabeth. God is in the house.
Amen. Jesus put his life into our hands. Now may we put our lives into his. May Jesus take us, renew us, and remake us. What we have been is past, and what we shall be through God still awaits. May the Holy Spirit lead us on. As you go from this place, go remembering that by the providence of God, you were born. And by God's grace, you are kept all the day long. And by God's love for you, revealed through Jesus Christ, you are redeemed. Go in peace. I love you. Amen. Happy birthday, TJ.